Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Monday afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studio. Glad to start a new week with you. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Visit them online to learn more at pearlriverresort.com. The ceasefire text line is open 601 879 4395. Love to hear from you. Your thoughts on all the stuff from the weekend. As we begin Super Bowl week on Sports Talk Mississippi, 601-879-4395. That's the C Spire text line, C Spire customer inspired. Alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. We are glad to be with you. Hope you fellas had a uh, a good weekend, a nice weekend, an enjoyable weekend. Let's shake it. Yeah, everything but the sports. Well, yes. The sports sucked. Yeah, the sports good. left a little to be desired. I, I said this uh, last night. I, I forget who posted it online the first time, so I'm stealing somebody else's quote, but it stuck with me, and it's never leaving me. Okay, People think that you, you become a sports fan because they bring you joy. That is not why any of us are sports <laughs> fans, because there's no joy to be had. We are all sports fans, and we never leave it because we have a community to share in our misery. That's why we love True sports story. so much. We have bonded through through our own sadness. Yes, through and bonding through sadness is better than no bonding at all. Unless you're a Patriots fan, you know. Then you had about a decade of oh, good times. But other than that, pretty pretty good run for the Pats. It was. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, but, but they're those, getting what they deserve now. But those fleeting yes. moments of joy make all the pain and all the suffering and all the misery and all of the discontentment and the frustration and all of those things, it makes it all worthwhile. The fleeting moments of joy like and our- the hope of more moments of unbridled joy to come. That's why we keep coming back. Like a round of golf. I mean, you could be 30 over 
and then you stand on the 18th tee and stripe one down the middle of the fairway, and it's like, well, I'll be back. That felt great. Yeah. Everything that happened before this moment was terrible, but it doesn't matter, buddy. That was a stripe show, and now I'm in. Because in the next round, I feel like I can get in that slot and that groove with that tempo and hit it in the middle of the club face and do it for 18 holes. Or, you know, the 12 or 14 holes that I hit driver on. It'll be okay. Did you see that video of Brady, by the way, topping one at the Pro-Am? You know, what you're supposed to do there, what you're supposed to do, Tom, is make fun of yourself. And he didn't even get mad either. Like, he just turned around and just, like, put his head down and walked back. No, you're supposed to, like, put your hand up to your head like like you're pretending to look for it because you hit it so far. Or or say, (laughs) got a hold of that one, you know? That's what you're supposed to do. Uh, If you're going to be on TV, Tom, if you're going to be adding color to a football broadcast, you got to be funny. you got to be colorful. Yeah. That was a nice sweater he was wearing, though. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it was $6,000 or whatever, probably too. Probably so. It was, it was probably not an inexpensive sweater. Pure cashmere. Oh, I, I, yes, I realize that my camera has shut down. I, I had a computer screen that just went blank, and That's so I good. hit a power button, but I hit the yeah. wrong power button, Borky, yeah, and so no, I shut the other no computer problem. down. And copy print. There we go. And we got oh, that screen there. It, it looks like you're having a rough battle with food poisoning right now. Yeah. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Had one too many drinks last night. You're just going through it. We'll get it all back here in a second. And we'll save that. You you had a few uh, bottles of wine watching the Grammys, and it just got away from you. Speaking of the Grammys. There we go. We'll save that. All right, we're good. Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs were great. Dude. I've watched that clip like uh, two dozen times. So I didn't watch the Grammys live because, are you kidding me? But uh, I... (laughs) I have seen now the the full video of him and Tracy Chapman performing Fast Car together, and it is outstanding. Uh, I mean, just outstanding. That that you know, if you made people do a ranking of the top ten greatest songs of all time, regardless of genre, that has to be in the top ten. It has to. It can be. Yeah. Today, uh, my daughter sends me a thing. She's like, "Can can you get me this?" And it's like. The the new Taylor Swift album that's going to come out in April on vinyl because it has a bonus track and I'm just like I'm like do we own a record player? (laughs) Sounds like like, she's asking. We can get one more than just the record. (laughs) We can get one. I was like, so you want a record player and this album (laughs) is what you're trying to tell me? I gave her the old we'll see. Do you guys have a record? Which probably means yes, but. No, I don't. I don't have. I don't have one. I had one, and uh, it um, stopped working, and it was really upsetting because, man, like I, I used to think it was just what edgy people would say. Oh, you got to get it on vinyl because it sounds better. And then I got a record player. It's just a richer, fuller sound. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. It's not as like it's not as mahogany clean sound. Yeah, yeah, that's it. it that, that's a good analogy, hey, Dad. It sounds like a men's library with mahogany walls. Many leather-bound books. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that's yeah. what it sounds like. Like you've got like a little notepad in front of you and and, and a <laughs> bourbon and a cigar. Like you're really classing up the joint. Uh, Amanda in Pike County says, I have a record player. They're not that expensive. Yeah, that's one of those things that you can spend – 
just about whatever you want on. Like you can get a kid's style, uh, almost like it, it carries like a little suitcase record player for like 40 bucks. Yeah, yeah. Or you can spend a few hundred dollars on one and get like a really nice high-end one. Um, my my mom has a piece of furniture. You, you guys probably remember this from maybe your grandparents' house growing up. It was my, it was my grandparents'. It is an RCA con- record player console. Like it's got the old school radio in it, and it's got the speakers built into the console. And I, she has told me I can have it. I have not gotten it. It probably needs a little bit of maintenance and updating. But that's something that I really want. I think it'd be cool in the office. You know, just and then you tie in like some newer speakers to it and get the full effect. I, I think that could be really cool. Yeah, so, absolutely. One day. But yeah, that was uh, that was spectacular. And, it was. I, I mean, you you can't top. Tracy Chapman's verse, you, you can't top it. But for a country singer, he, his version on its own is outstanding. Him singing alongside her, he held his own. And she she's, I mean, on another planet. And he fit right there alongside her. That was awesome. I mean, I like hate that. I've watched it like ten times now. I've only watched it two or three, but it was really good every time I watched it. Um, I, I just, just absolutely spectacular. Um, and I actually have been guilty of saying, you know, in recent months, I think I might look like Luke Combs version a little bit better hearing her all over again last night live. I'm like, eh, I don't know. I'm not sure that I'll go that I like his better. Um, but it's really good. Uh, certainly very, very good. A lot better than the sports around here this weekend. Yeah. So there was, uh, there was some basketball this weekend. If you want to call it that. There we go. We're all back. All back on the camera. It was technically basketball. Well, in a game of two teams, in each game, one team played basketball. In the Ole Miss game, one team played for a half, and then the other team played for the half. Yeah, I think there's a lot to get into from Mm -hmm. that Ole Miss game with Auburn. Um, You know, if you want to start with the environment, you want to start with the atmosphere, it was spectacular once again. It was it was Tuesday night all over again. Um, The actual attendance was about a thousand less, but it simply was a function of they didn't have a way to let that extra twelve hundred students in like they did on uh, on Tuesday night. Ninety minutes before the game, when I walked in the arena, I put a little short video on Instagram. If you follow me there, you may have seen it. the students were the, the entire three sides of the lower bowl where the students sit. It was shoulder to shoulder. Ninety minutes before tip off, they started lining up outside, uh, like eleven thirty that morning. And by three o'clock, there were probably a thousand students that were lined up outside, uh, and they all had the powder blue shirts and they had the pom poms and like the the production value of the whole day was fantastic. They pulled out all the stops too. I mean. Uh, General Wilson, who uh, sometimes sings the national anthem at football games, the the Naval Petty Officer, I think he's retired now. You know the guy that I'm talking about. He was there to sing the national anthem. It's one thing when he does that in a football stadium and there's no roof, even with a flyover. When you put that guy in a building where there's a roof over his head, holy cow. I mean, it was like just chill bumps all up and down your arms and backs and the whole deal. And they brought the football team out for Peach Bowl presentation at halftime. And they brought the 
um, the the new signing class in and presented them and just it was thing at Marshall Henderson was there and you had Morgan Freeman and the whole deal and for the first twenty minutes it felt like just a party and then in the second half Auburn flipped it into a different gear. Uh, let's talk more about that when we come back. We'll talk about Mississippi State and Alabama as well. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Talk Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk tv thanks for being with us on this monday afternoon start of a new week so one of the things about that last night how about the audience you know they did it in crypto which used to be staples center i guess in in is LA. it still so crypto i think it's still crypto.com or it's still crypto yeah um and the team that plays in it much like that form of currency not great yeah, depending on which cryptocurrency you're involved with, I suppose. But yeah, nevertheless, uh, we digress. Lakers are in Dogecoin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You might be onto something there. Um, the audience reaction, yeah, was phenomenal, and it's not a Taylor Swift thing either, but. The biggest star on planet Earth standing and singing the entire thing with them. But then you get the cutaway shots, and it's everybody else. I mean, you got Jelly Roll singing at the top of his lungs, having a time of his life. That guy rules. He's he's a really cool dude. Uh, did you see, by the way, I'm a big, you know, I'm a big ratings guy. So I follow a bunch of, uh, of ratings websites and stuff. And the number one market. For the Grammys last night, take a guess. The the city that watched it Birmingham, more, Alabama. No, the city that watched it more than any other city, the Grammys last night. What city do you think it is? Uh, Kansas City. <laughs> because Taylor yes, I swear, I swear Kansas City was the number one highest rated Grammy market last night. I'm not kidding. Uh. <laughs> they gotta see what, what Travis's girlfriend is up to. Yeah. Did, did you wonder for a second if he was going to be at the Grammys last night? I didn't think about it, but... I mean, again, anything to distract from the basketball. Yeah. Uh, all right, so Auburn wins 91-77 over Ole Miss. It was very much a tale of two halves. Ole Miss had a nine-point lead at the half, 44-35. Auburn outscored them by 23 in the second half. Auburn, 56 second-half points in the uh, in the basketball game, they just absolutely shot it lights out. Seventy three percent in the second half from the field for Auburn. Um, so many directions we can go. All right, so we we kind of laid out the atmosphere. It was great, looked great, sounded great, felt big in the building. Um, by the way, fun game to call. Uh, from from that standpoint, I, I have done a lot of dunks and alley oops and stuff like that in the game. Yeah, and and big threes, especially in the in the I mean, Ole Miss in the first half, and then Auburn hit some big ones in the uh, in the second half. Um, 
Ole Miss got off to a fast start, a really fast start in the game, and led it by, they lead by 13 in the first half at one point, I think. But it felt like it should have been more. Could have been more. It should have and could have. Auburn turned it over a bunch in the first half. Ole Miss had some open threes that they missed. But Auburn made enough shots in the first half to just stay in it. And rebounded. What was it, eight off first half offensive rebounds? Something like that? And, And they had... Three offensive rebounds in the first half that led to made threes. Ooh, I mean, that's just... Um, So Auburn did enough to stay in it, and I thought the closing sequence of the half was really big. So Ole Miss was up 12, and Auburn hit a three with like 11 seconds left or something like that. Maybe it was 12 seconds left. And then the ball kind of bounced away on the inbound. So clock doesn't stop after the made three. Ball bounces away. It almost has to kind of scramble to get the ball in bounds. And so instead of having 11, 12 seconds to get it into the front court and get a pretty decent shot, they finally get the ball inbounded with five or six seconds. They get a decent look at the buzzer, but unlike the last two games, you remember Texas A&M Saturday ago and then against Mississippi State on Tuesday night when Ole Miss hit a three as time expired going into the locker room, They missed that three going into the locker room. And so instead of being down 12, Auburn was down nine at the half. And there's like this psychological thing of being down single digits at the half, especially if you didn't play particularly well. And then in the second half, so so there was a a note, and I, I think we mentioned it on the broadcast, with like four or five minutes to play, Ole Miss had four players that had played 30 minutes or more in the game. Auburn had nine players at that same point that had played 10 minutes or more in the game. The most minutes by any Auburn player were from Jalen Williams, and he played 27 minutes. Trey Donaldson played 25. Janai Broom played 25. Uh, Chad Baker-Mazzara played 26 in the game. Denver Jones played 26. Nobody cracked the 30-minute plateau for Auburn. But for Ole Miss, Brakefield played 32 minutes. Jalen Murray played 32 minutes. Alan Flanagan played 33 minutes. Matt Morrell played 36 minutes in the game. Ole Miss's legs looked dead. It was like Auburn ran them to death coming out of the locker room. And And Chris just didn't have the gas in the tank at the end. Chris Beard talked about that after the game. Uh, I mean, he said that uh, he thought that guys were... I'm paraphrasing what he said, but essentially it looked like guys were tired and kind of feeling sorry for themselves and, and took plays off. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was diplomatic in the way that he said it after the game. Yeah, it he wasn't quite like that. but He, he didn't full-on throw his guys under the bus, but but he said that they ran out of gas in the in the second half. Uh, defensively, they were not good in the second half. Way and that too may many have open looks. Where, say again? Way too many open looks. Yeah. And, and too many open drives, uncontested drives to the basket. You had Jalen Williams at one point take a rebound on the defensive end, dribble the ball the length of the floor, and take it to the rim uncontested. Nobody yeah. cut off the ball. Yeah. And they just didn't play. They didn't play in the second half with the. They played the entire Mississippi State game with great energy. They played mm-hmm. the first half with great energy. The energy was not there in the second half for Ole Miss. So. It looks like they, they. It's either poor communication or, or something on defensive rotations. <laughs> I mean, it, it looks like often Auburn was able to get them 
like kind of in scramble mode, where guys didn't know who or when to, to close out and kind of got them out of position leading to those open looks. It, I don't know if it's a lack of communication or, 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 or what, but too often you would have somebody that would get caught up underneath the basket and the guy he was guarding was in the corner for a wide open three and things like that that, that shouldn't happen. But it, it's all-encompassing. Ole Miss was without Jamarian Sharp. Not that he gives you a ton of minutes, but if he gives you somewhere in the 8 to 12 minutes range, then that's a few less minutes for Musa Cisse, who played his best game of the year. Um, but Ole Miss also didn't have the rim protection. They had some blocks early in the ball game. Um, they finished the game, though, with six blocks, which was the same number that Auburn has. And that's two really, that's two of the best shot blocking teams in the entire country. You remember last week in the, uh, in the Texas A&M game when Chris Beard afterwards said this was not a stat sheet game. You know, it was about heart and mm-hmm. toughness and just doing what you had to do. To some degree, I think you would look at the final box score in this one and go, not really a stat sheet game. Because based on the stats, Ole Miss played well enough to win. Listen to these. Ole Miss shot 45% from the game, for the game, 42% from behind the arc, 76% from the free throw line. Those are winning shooting numbers, mm-hmm. unless you allow your opponent to shoot 55% from the field, 44% from behind the arc. And look at those second-half splits from Auburn. I'll give them to you. 22 of 30, 73.3%. 5 of 8 from 3, 62.5%. 7 of 10 from the free throw line. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's it, when you get beat like that, when you give up 56 second half points, it's it's a lot of things. But I think something really stood out uh, is the the lack of offensive skill that Ole Miss has on the block. They don't have big men that they that can reliably score. And I mean, I know Cisse had what 12 points, and but but those were all coming off of or really almost lobs? all coming off of lobs. Broom for Auburn, you can get him the ball in the block and he can go to work. You know, he can get you a bucket because he's got a a multi-level game too. Made a three-point shot as well, so he can stretch the floor some, but he's skilled offensively. Ole Miss doesn't have a big with offensive skill that, you know, if your opponent's going on a run or whatever, that you can just tell you what, clear out, dump it off to the big man, let him go to work one-on-one, he'll get you a deuce, and then you go back and play defense and do it again. Ole Miss doesn't have that guy. And, Borky, your point about Janai Broom, you know how many points he had in the first half? Zero. Ole Miss held him scoreless in the first half. He had 15 second-half points. Took over. Just completely took over that game. He he certainly did. Um, And Juju Murray may have had his worst game of the season. And, And it wasn't, I mean, he only turned it over one time, and he did have six assists, but he only hit four had four points. He was two of 12 shooting the basketball and missed all four of his three-point attempts in the game. And you're going to have games like that. And when you have a game like that against a really good team, and make no mistake about it, Auburn is a really good basketball team, you're going to get beat, even at home. And that's what happened on Saturday. Let's talk about Mississippi State and their trip to Tuscaloosa on Saturday night. It was not pretty. We'll do that when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Bye, 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 bye. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Your number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. You can be part of the conversation on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. We got a message before the break, and I actually think this is a very reasonable question. Did Mississippi State and Ole Miss spend too much on Tuesday? I mean, we are in the grind of basketball season. And these teams are used to the quick turnaround. That wasn't a long trip for Mississippi State. It was a home game for Ole Miss, followed by another home game for Mississippi State. It was a road game, followed by a road game. But it was the two closest possible road games for Mississippi State. And it was Tuesday and not Wednesday. So there was an extra day of recovery. And yet, if you think back to the way that game was played, on Tuesday night, it was played at such a high level. The intensity level for the entire 40 minutes was off the charts. You had Mississippi State that played from behind for most of the game. It was high-paced, up and down the floor. I don't. It's not impossible, but at the same time, again, these guys are used to that kind of turnaround over and over and over, and I don't know that you necessarily can point to the results on Saturday and go, well, that's really a function of what happened on Tuesday. We have college basketball teams with relatively short rotations that play quick turnaround games all the time. So I don't think that was the case. I I guess it's possible that it factored in. Alabama on Saturday night at Coleman Coliseum in Tuscaloosa beat Mississippi State 99-67. to They outscored them by 23 in the first half and by 9 in the second half. Hey, Dad, I I heard you guys talk with with Bruce Marshall on Friday afternoon, and Bruce said he was not really feeling it in terms of betting against Alabama at home right now with the way they play offense. And I know you were in the same boat, but you guys were talking about an 8.5-point spread. The spread could have been 30, and Bama still would have covered. It was not good. Your thoughts, sir? Dynamite sum up there. You, you got it. I don't need no notes. They played like crap. There's just no getting around that. Uh, I mean, DJ Jeffries getting hurt. I know people are going to say, well, he doesn't bring a lot offensively, but he does bring a lot defensively. Yeah. Uh, so that shortened up an already short rotation. I mean, Keyshawn Murphy... Still not playing just yet, and State just doesn't have any depth right now. Uh, we talking to Jans today. Uh, he he reported that uh, Jeffrey is going to be out for a while. He didn't. He said it wouldn't be a long time, but he did say a while, which to me is a long time. But I, I don't know. Uh, and Trey Fort still out for a little while, day to day with him. 
State desperately needs Keyshawn Murphy back in the lineup. If not Wednesday by Saturday when they play Missouri, are you under the impression that that's happening all of a sudden? Yes, yes, he's back with the team. He he traveled with the team to Tuscaloosa. Okay, Um, and and I think he'll be back in the lineup sooner rather than later. And they they need it. They they need somebody in there to give them some more minutes in the front court. Otherwise, they're going to have to go back to you know a lineup maybe with Tolu and Jimmy Bell, which I know Jans does not want to do. But, I mean, there was a moment, we talked about it on the podcast, there was a moment where State's five guys on the floor are uh, Deshaun Davis, Shaq Moore, uh, Cam Matthews, uh, uh, Sean Jones, and Jimmy Bell. Where are your points? Who is going to score out of that lineup? Uh, just, just State just doesn't have any offensive options. Right now, outside of Tolu and Josh Hubbard, when other guys get points, it feels like you're 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 like you're pleasantly surprised by it. Cam Matthews, you see in the double digits, you're like, oh man, Cam Matthews had double digits. That's great. You don't you can't rely on anybody else to be that third scorer for state right now. Um, and, and and to your point, the good news is jo- Josh Hubbard yeah. has seven points in twenty four minutes on one of nine shooting, and he's zero of five from behind the arc. Cam Matthews, who had had back-to-back monster games against Auburn and Ole Miss, had two points and six rebounds in 26 minutes. D.J. Jeffries Mm -hmm. does not score in his 10 minutes on the floor. I mean, good grief, Sean Jones played 31 minutes on Saturday Mm -hmm. night. He scored in double figures. He had 10 points, but you you don't need 31 minutes from Sean Jones. And he's probably going to have to start on Wednesday with Jeffries out, I would imagine. So, really, really tough stretch for Mississippi State. We've talked about it. You know, you couldn't have known before the season started that they were going to play eight quad one games in nine to start conference play. You know, now you look at their next three games. They're at home against Georgia. Georgia's a decent team, but you should be able to beat them at home. You're at Missouri, who, I mean, they lost to Vanderbilt this weekend. That's a uh, that's a team you should be able to beat on the road and get your first road win of the year. And then you have Arkansas at home uh, a week from Saturday. You think you don't have the midweek game next week, so that's a game that I mean Missouri and Arkansas are must win games. You, you can't lose those games if you want to be a tournament team when we when we get to that point. So State's got to find some wins. You know their their resume is what it is. The analytics still like them. But it's meaningless if you don't win games, and that's where State needs to get right now. They need to start winning basketball games, and this next stretch for them is going to be very key for that. And, and brother, Wednesday night is massive. I mm-hmm. mean, massive. It, it, I, I think you actually sold Georgia a little short. I think Georgia's good. They're a good team. I don't think they're great. They're a good team. They're not elite. Right. They're not scary, but they're good. They're good. They're good enough to come to Starkville and win. You're 100% right, though, about the next two Saturdays, both at home, Missouri and Arkansas. I'm sorry, the Missouri yeah, game, Missouri. The road game, and then Arkansas yeah. at home. Like, there's no margin for error with those two. None. You have to be 2-0 in those games. You really need to be 3-0 and in these next three. And then you'll you play Ole Miss uh, at home on, on Wednesday the 21st, and we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Um, and, and this just in, Alabama's good. Mark Sears goes for 21. Estrada goes for 15. They get 14 out of a couple of bench players. Diabate and Stevenson both go for 14. And then they just have a bunch of guys that score a little bit. Uh, and and they, they do a good job. I mean, Nelson Grant only plays 14 minutes in the game. Um, 
and he's been one of their stars in the in the post. Um, did he have foul? Yeah, oh, he fouled out. So he had some foul issues in the ballgame and, and didn't play as much. Um, Chris Jans was asked about you know reasons for optimism, and he pointed to last year with the way the schedule flipped and Mississippi State really got it rolling, and now's the opportunity to do that, right? I mean, it's it, it's kind of now or never when you look up and you see that you're three and six in Southeastern Conference play. Yeah, I mean, this time last year they were, if I'm correct, they were they were one and eight. I mean, they started off really poorly last eight, year. Yeah. One and seven, one and eight. Yeah, something like, it was it was bad. So you know, they're ahead of that pace, and they have two top ten wins on the resume right now. But all that is meaningless if in these next you know five games you don't find a way to maybe win four of them. And look, we, we, we've talked about the schedule kind of flipping, but it doesn't flip the way it did last year. Right. There were some bad teams in the SEC last year. This year the bad teams are Arkansas, Missouri, and Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. That, that's it. Georgia's a good mm-hmm. team. Missouri, that's a road game. Again, one you should be able to win. Arkansas in Starkville, got to win that game. Really need to get the game against Ole Miss in the the second of the the season rematch. LSU in Baton Rouge is not a gimme. Kentucky at home is not a gimme. At Auburn is not a gimme. At Texas A&M, not a gimme. And then closing it out against the South Carolina team that Mississippi State lost to in the opener of league play. And it's the South Carolina team that deserves more than just kind of, oh, that's a pretty good team. I mean, South Carolina has gotten no, to the point where they're really good. Yeah. They're, really they're good. A good basketball team. Yeah. No, no question about it. I mean, I, the only game that I would I look at the rest of the schedule and say that's going to be probably not a win. I would just tell you right now, I don't think State's going to win, is at Auburn. That's going to be a very, very tough, tough game. Everything else on the schedule is winnable. It's at least winnable as we sit here today. Even you know the game with Kentucky. Kentucky's lost three of their last four, and they got to come to Starkville in, in, in a few weeks. That's a winnable game for Mississippi State. It'll be tough to win at A and M, but that's a winnable game. So they got to they got to win winnable games. You know, I'm not saying they need to go. Uh, what are this? So they got uh, uh, nine more to go. Uh, I'm not saying they got to go eight and one in that, but they need to be six and three, five and four at the absolute worst, and to have them give themselves give themselves a chance on Selection Sunday. Was Saturday night more a function of Alabama being great or Mississippi State being poor or somewhere in the middle? It's both. It was both. It was both. Alabama played well, but Mississippi State played incredibly poorly. Yeah. We'll get to some of your messages on the ceasefire text line when we come back. 601-879-4395. Yes, it is true. The message we got just a second ago. Alabama had 48 three-point attempts in the game. And and didn't shoot a good percentage. They were 15 of 48. I mean, that's below, that's 30%, and yet they still won by 30. It's time to get real. Real sports talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Uh, 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 
us on this Monday afternoon. All right, rest of the SEC from this weekend, and we may talk more in detail about this later on. Uh, you had a top ten matchup on Saturday night, Tennessee at Kentucky. Kind of felt like the game that would never end at the end of the ballgame. Tennessee ends up scoring over 100 over Kentucky at Rupp. They win 103-92. to Zakai Ziegler was phenomenal. Uh, Dillingham, the freshman, had a monster game for Kentucky, but not enough. He had 35 points, but Kentucky loses at home by 11. LSU beats Arkansas handily in Baton Rouge, 95-74. South Carolina wins by 10 on the road against Georgia. South Carolina is now 19-3 overall and 7-2. In the SEC. I mean, it's good any way you slice it. Any way you slice it, it's good. Vanderbilt gets their first SEC win. They do it at home against Missouri. Beat them 68-61. And Texas A&M wins at home. Florida missed a buzzer beater for their third kind of crazy win in a row in the SEC. A&M gets to 4-4, four and four, Florida gets to 5-4. and four. That felt like a really important game for Texas A&M. If they had lost that one, they would have been in a world of hurt as it pertains to their NCAA tournament hopes. Um, as you guys watch around the league on Saturday, is there anything that, that stood out to you? You mentioned South Carolina. Uh, we... we, we Every year there's a team like this, right, where we're like, yeah, they're good, but we, we play that game with them. And then you reach a point where you're like, no, no, they're just good. And that's what South Carolina is. They're, they're, they're a good team. Lamont Paris, I mean, likely your SEC coach of the year at, at this moment. Um, he's play, they're, they're just playing really good basketball. And then Kentucky, I mean, I feel like, and I, maybe I feel like this the past couple of years, but they got to do something in March or this is going to be it for Calipari. Is that, that, I'm at that point now where I'm just like – they they can't just keep going to the tournament and losing in the first or second round and be happy at Kentucky. That's just not you know that's just not how they're gonna they're wired. So I thought that team a few weeks ago was about to take off and, and be one of the best teams in the country. Instead, they they've regressed to the point where I mean I'm they'll get in, but they're they're not anybody, anybody a team anybody's gonna fear in March. Yeah. Alabama's number five in the net, Tennessee six, Auburn eight, Kentucky 26, South Carolina 38, Florida 39, Mississippi State is at 44, uh, A&M's at 50, Ole Miss is at 61. Just not great metrics for Ole Miss um, at all, despite the fact that they've got a couple of quad one wins, a couple of quad two wins. Yeah, the, the non-conference and, and no, schedule was just... Awful, and Memphis is not helping them at all anymore. Memphis is killing you can't, them. You can't hate on Ole Miss for that because they think, okay, it's year one of a new coach. Let's let's win some games. Yeah. Let's yeah. just have some positivity and win some games. You couldn't have thought at this point you were going to be eighteen and four, right? Sure, but you also have Memphis and NC State on there. It, it, it just, yeah, it had and a road win at UCF it, and a neutral side yeah. win against Cal. But, I mean, if they reach a, a win number, if they get to double-digit conference wins, which is tough, but there's certainly a path, they're making the tournament. Almost impossible to keep them out. It would be nearly – I can't imagine a scenario. And, and, and Joe Lunardi has them comfortably in right now. Yeah. 
I mean, d- despite what the, the net ranking says, he had them going into that Auburn game projected as an eight seed. Um, Just win so, enough and, and it'll take care of itself. That's all they have to do. Just win enough. Yeah. Uh, Joe Lenardi has actually moved Ole Miss into the last four buys category. Uh, he has nine SEC teams still in the tournament at this point. But all four of his last four buys teams are SEC teams. Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Florida. In that order. Hmm. So you win some games, you improve your status, you lose some games, you become even more bubbly. Um, but the bubble is soft, right? Like it always. So, so this group of 16 teams that are last four buys, last four in, first four out, next four out. So I gave you the last four buys. The last four in, Butler, Virginia, Washington State, Seton Hall. First four out, St. John, Cincinnati, Colorado, Wake Forest. Next four out, Memphis, Providence, Oregon. I mean, there's nothing to be scared of with where you are right now. You, you certainly, if you're Ole Miss, State, Texas A&M, and Florida, you would rather be where you are than on the outside looking in. Everybody's got nine games left in conference play. We got a lot that's going to happen over the next four and a half weeks. A lot as we continue to move toward March. Borky wanted it. He wanted meaningful basketball games in February. Yes, sir. They couldn't be much more meaningful than they are right now. Sports Talk Mississippi, one hour in the books. Winners and losers. That's how we will start the four o'clock hour with you when we come back in the Pearl River Resort Studio. More Sports Talk Mississippi now. Now. To be with you this afternoon at Sports Talk Mississippi, rolling into the four o'clock hour. The biggest name in entertainment right now is Taylor Swift, and we're giving you a chance to win tickets to see her in concert, plus some money in your pocket. Margaritaville Resort and Paradise Pier Fun Park in Biloxi, along with Super Talk Mississippi, present Taylor Swift and a cash gift. Here's what you get, a pair of tickets to see Taylor Swift's Eras Tour at the Superdome in New Orleans on Saturday, October 26th, plus $1,000. How can you win? It's pretty simple. Just enter your name and your contact info at one of the registration boxes at select locations across the state. Where are those? Well, you can find them out. Find out all the locations when you go to supertalk.fm slash Swift. Supertalk.fm slash Taylor Swift to find the full list of registration locations and for more information. Uh, winning tickets to that tour is far better than buying tickets to that tour. Holy cow. You thought Super Bowl tickets were expensive. Gracious. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like the yeah. same thing. So, uh, your chance to win, supertalk.fm slash Taylor Swift to find uh, the registration locations across the state of Mississippi. 
We are coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sportsbook, the Golden Moon Casino. To learn more about them, visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. That's pearlriverresort.com. C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. Check them out online, cspire.com slash business. How about some winners and losers? All I do is win. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. You know how it works. What did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? The stuff you liked, it goes in the winner's column. The stuff that you didn't like, that goes in the loser's column. So, Michael Borky, give me a winner. So basketball wasn't good really around here. Let's go to neighboring Louisiana on a Friday night. And the reverse. That ball is touched on the rim. It's a lot of time. Yeah. Zion on the run. All the way to the hole. Got it! 3.8 timeout spurs. Yeah. So he finally had one of those moments. You know, Zion's career so far in the NBA has been overshadowed by health and... and Or lack thereof. Yeah. I mean, just unavailability and, and being out of shape and the narratives around that. He had a game winner against the Spurs on Friday night. And he's playing well. What is he, 22-6-5 on 59% from the field. So he's playing well. He's distributing the ball. But most importantly, he looks good physically. He's he's more active on every possession. He's active defensively. He's, you know, maybe he's finally turning a corner and, and, and starting to kind of figure out that, hey, I need to take care of myself if I want to play in the NBA. And Because he looks good. And he's playing well. And finally kind of had one of those moments instead of, being injured and sitting on the end of the bench in street clothes. That was that was really cool to see, and team's playing well, and it's a lot to do with him. Pelicans are currently above the cut line for the playoffs, but they are below the automatically in. They are currently in that uh, play-in tournament group yeah, the, of the playoffs that's kind of weird, but it's okay. The West is so balanced uh, right now. So, so, so balanced. And they just came off of a really difficult road stretch in January. So some wins might be coming, but yeah, they're fun, and, and he's healthy and... and and the good news is the win wasn't against the worst team in the NBA. There are actually two teams that are worse than San Antonio. It's incredible. Victor, Wimbenyama's getting better and better every night, though. He's he's starting to kind of figure it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's a lot of fun uh, to watch. I wonder about his body holding up, but for now, he's starting to figure it out. Hey, Dad, a winner, please. Let's go with Sam Purcell and Mississippi State women's basketball. 3-0 and on the week. Uh, two wins on the road. They're the opposite of the men's team. They're ten and two away from the hump. Uh, two and zero on the road last week. Their one win at the home was a pretty good one over the defending national champions from LSU. Uh, Nineteen and five on the season, I believe, or seventeen and five, one of the two, and uh, just playing well. And and each night it seems like there's a different player having a big game for them. And right now they're in a spot where they're not worried about the bubble. They're worried about seeding for the NCAA tournament. So I was kind of surprised they weren't ranked today, to be totally honest with you. They've been playing at a really high level lately. And uh, Purcell, he, he's he just he's got it figured out this season. We'll see if he can keep that going. I got a winner for you. 
In May of 2019, I did the most random college baseball assignment I've ever had. There's one that would have been more random, but it ended up I ended up getting shuffled to a different game. I was at one point scheduled to do a game in San Luis Obispo, California. It was like Cal State Fullerton and whoever is in San Luis Obispo. I don't even remember what the team is. And that was one of those like, okay, I'll do it. And, and then they got changed. So my most off-the-wall random college baseball assignment for ESPN came in 2019. I did the Sunday game of Oklahoma-Texas Tech in Norman, Oklahoma. Spent a little time with Skip Johnson, who was the head coach at, at Oklahoma. And there was a high school kid who was committed to OU at the time, but they were pretty sure he was never going to step foot on campus. Turned out he was the number two pick in the draft. Kid that goes by the name of Witt, Bobby Witt Jr. He was a high school star in the state of Texas, was committed to Oklahoma, but they knew they had no shot of actually getting him on campus. Went second in the draft of the Kansas City Royals. Skyrocketed through the minor leagues. And Bobby Witt Jr., at the ripe old age of 23, is about to begin his third season in Major League Baseball. Earlier today, the Kansas City Royals announced that they are in agreement on an 11-year, $288.8 million contract extension with 23-year-old Bobby Witt Jr., The reason they did it was because after this season, he would have been eligible for arbitration, and his numbers have been outstanding, and he would have been a year closer to free agency, which likely would have made him not as interested in signing a long-term deal. So he signs an 11-year deal that has three years of club option on the end of it, which would be worth another almost $30 million a year, taking the entire 14-year deal to $377 million. It is the second largest contract in total money for a rising third-year player in the history of Major League Baseball, and it is the largest contract by annual value, average annual value, for a player at this stage in his career. Can you imagine being 23 years old and signing an almost $300 million contract to play baseball? And by all accounts, Bobby Witt Jr. is one of the most likable guys in the game. And so he's going to stay in Kansas City for a long time. There are three years where he can opt out. The team can opt for an additional three years on the contract. It's it's a really good deal for Kansas City. Now they just need him to perform for the, uh, the next decade, and they need a bunch of pieces around him. So, Bobby Witt Jr., winner, big-time winner at 23 years old. Very good. I mean, hey, Dad, it took me till I was 43 to have that kind of money. He did it 20 years earlier. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Witt money. Yeah, seriously. Print the T-shirts. <laughs> Do you guys have any other winners? I do. Uh, you guys know that I always get a big kick out of when we do the bowl games and it's like these ridiculous sponsors. And then, you know, you go to the stadium, which also has a ridiculous sponsor. And announcers are so 
for lack of, I, mean, I don't want to use that word, but they're really important about you got to refer to the stadium by its name and you got to refer to the bowl game. You can't just call it the Peach Bowl. It's the Chick fil A Peach Bowl at the Merced. Sure. It's just annoying, right? Yeah. Well, FIFA, FIFA says the heck with all that. They released a guide today of all of the stadiums that they're going to be playing in this year. Stadiums like Boston Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. And New York, New Jersey Stadium, that's where they'll play the championship game over there in East Rutherford at New York, New Jersey Stadium. Dallas Stadium at in Arlington, Texas. We know it Not by another name, Dallas. of course. And the San Francisco Bay Area Stadium in Santa Clara. Shout out to FIFA. Just just straight up just telling people, like, yeah, we don't care. No, 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 no. Hold on a second, though. You, you, are, you, you are giving them credit when mm-hmm. this is about greed, FIFA oh, is, is saying, well, if Levi's Stadium, oh, if. you do not pay us to say Levi's Stadium, we will not be saying Levi's Stadium. MetLife, you want us to call it MetLife Stadium? You write a check to FIFA. You're trying to give FIFA hate ad credit for being pure and not a bunch of money-grubbing swindlers? Hey. I'm just laughing at it. That's all I care. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. What do they want? Exciting news. Brace yourself. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hangman is coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long. Ceasefire text line is open to you. Love to hear your winners and losers from the weekend. A couple of nice messages that you've sent me from Saturday. Sterling, who had a question, he said, didn't know that the SEC Network and ESPN would let alumni commentate their school's games. He said, you did do a pretty good job being equal, though. Thanks. I, I, so, I wanted to, to, t- to say that to you, yeah. I like listening to the game. If I didn't know you were an Ole Miss guy, I would not have known you were an Ole Miss guy. No, no idea. Yeah, and, and I, you would I, have no idea. I enjoyed, uh, I mean, the first few minutes of that game, I could tell you were into it, like because they were just going back and forth. When I texted you, I was like, "You got a barn burner there." I mean, they went they went what three minutes past the first media timeout without a stoppage. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was it cra- was, crazy it was opening game. So, but yeah, to, to you were enjoying question, yourself. I could tell. It, it, yes, because I mean, take the Ole Miss piece away from it, and, and I, I understand. I, I completely understand the question. Uh, let me answer Sterling's question, then I want to say this. So think about it, Sterling. Dane Bradshaw went to Tennessee, does Tennessee games. Damian Fishback went to Auburn, does Auburn games. Tom Hart went to Missouri, does Mizzou games. Matt Stinchcomb on the football side went to Georgia. He does Georgia games. I mean, good Cole Kublik does Auburn. Cole Kublik does Jordan Auburn Rogers. games. The, I mean, the biggest game of the weekend was Duke Carolina, and you got Jay Billis there as the analyst on that game. Jay Billis played basketball at Duke. So, yeah, it happens all the time. Um, certainly a... I think ESPN expects its announcers to be professional. And I think most everybody tries really, really hard to do that. But, hey, Dad, to your point, I, I know because I talked to several people at church on Sunday morning. They were like, oh, I don't know how you do it. It's, 
it's my job, one, mm-hmm. and I value having that job, and so I'm certainly not going to. I, I'm certainly not going to do anything to jeopardize that. But to your point, you said I sounded like I was having fun. I was having fun because the environment was unbelievable. The game was great. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, like, a great environment, and it was matched by high, high level play. In that, in those first few, like I said, that first, before the first media timeout, I mean, they were just landing body blows on each other. It was fun, it was fun to watch. Even me, I like, don't like Ole Miss, don't like Auburn, but I'm sitting there watching the game. I was like, this is a great game. I'm enjoying it. Not sure what this message means when I named all those people and somebody said, yeah, but those are professionals, Richard. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Thank you. Boom roasted. <laughs> Boom roasted. I nailed you. Uh, oh. Uh, we need to continue with winners and losers. Uh, loser, back to the World Cup. Wh- whoever in USA Soccer made the decision for where they're going to play their three group stage games is an absolute loser. So th- there's sites picked for the World Cup all over the country. Uh, Nashville, Kansas City, Miami, Atlanta, all over the country. The United States are going to play their first game in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. their second game in Seattle, and their third game back in Los Angeles. And j- just take the disservice to the rest of the fans uh, uh, in every other region of the country out of it for a second. Playing your games in Los Angeles, if you get paired up with a South American country, you're playing a road game in your home country. If you get somehow matched up with Chile, you're the, you're the road team. If God you forbid, you think it'll be that way? Yes, it, it's all, it, it happens. Oh already. yeah, no, no, absolutely. I, I know it has absolutely. traditionally happened. I just wonder if this sporting event coming to the United States in 2026 is going to be so big. I, I hope so. I hope you're right. But L.A. is the most likely city for that to happen. Let's put it that way. But you've got. American soccer fans. It's like you want a home field advantage, you roll that thing into Nashville or Atlanta. Or Kansas City. That literally the capital capital of your organization is in Kansas City and you're not going to play a game there? You've got fans by the millions all over the country. And you are playing all of your games that you can control west of Reno? What are you thinking? It makes no sense at all. It's a disservice to fans all over the country. It's a dis- what an opportunity you had and to do West Coast, Middle America, East Coast, and, and bring as many people into this as you possibly can. Instead, you're stuck on the Pacific Ocean. It's a terrible decision. I kind of get it. I kind of get because you don't want to be trapped. You don't want to have these guys on planes all over the country when they're playing in the group stages. I kind of understand that, but. The West Coast was the worst possible option for the Americans. You know, this is the same thing we see a lot when in in, in when they play in the Gold Cup and and any time they play a friendly and on the West Coast and they're playing a Mexican team, a Brazilian team, any any of those teams in Latin America, they just the fans are it's a hostile crowd in your own home country. I mean, somebody has got to be thinking at USA Soccer like, let's put them in Columbus, Ohio. Let's, yeah. let's, let's put them. Let's put them in Nashville. Let's put them in the South, where they'll have a a a, a home field advantage. Kansas City, Atlanta, Seattle. Seattle's going to do great. That that'll be an also, incredible place. They, they support American yeah. soccer, ironically enough, considering uh, other stuff. Isn't but, New York a bad choice for the for the championship? 
I'm like not. That. I'm not feeling that one. I, I, why, why are they in New York? This is the biggest media market in the world, and it's an eighty-seven. I mean, this doesn't. Stadium. This doesn't need that, though. I mean, you got. But there are bigger stadiums. You, know, you, you put it in the. Usually, the World Cup final is in the the crown jewel stadium of the country. That would have been Arlington for me. Yeah. Um. So you have, in terms of it, of. United States cities. You will have games in Miami, Atlanta, Philadelphia, New York, Boston, Kansas City, Dallas, Houston, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Seattle. And you remember this is the North American World Cup, so you've also got a couple of games in Canada, uh, in Toronto and in Vancouver, and two sites, actually three sites in Mexico. Mexico City at Estadio Azteca. Can't imagine anything will go wrong there. Um there are never any problems with that stadium. <laughs> oh, no, never. The, the Americans should just be glad they're not playing there. Yeah, just don't play there. in Monterey. I don't know. The Americans kind of, I mean, you just go ahead and... They've had success there, but it's... On the scoreboard if they're playing there. True. It's just it's frustrating. And, and I'm still going to try to force my way to go. Uh, you know, the travel being further sucks for me. So I, I, there's emotions, personal emotions in there. But... I'm going to try to make it to Seattle. There's no way I'm going to L.A. for for one of those two games. Uh, I want to be a wild concept. I want to sit amongst Americans to watch the Americans play in America. Just want to make sure that that happens. I don't I don't know if you guys remember it well or not, but the '94 World Cup, which is the last time the United States held it, held. These were the stadiums in which World Cup matches were played. RFK Stadium in D.C. It no longer exists. Doesn't exist anymore. Old Foxborough Stadium in Boston no longer exists. The Citrus Bowl in Orlando. Soldier Field pre-renovation in Chicago. Cotton Bowl Stadium in Dallas. It's still there. Old Giants Stadium in East Rutherford no longer exists. Wow. The Pontiac Silverdome in Detroit. Gone. Stanford Stadium in Palo Alto no longer exists. I, I think they tore it down. Maybe it's still there for just... I think they tore it down, though. And the World Cup finals were at the Rose Bowl. It's still there. It that is still, that is still there. there. It is still there. No, I meant Stanford uh, Stadium. I'm sorry. Stanford Stadium is still there. Oh, they didn't tear it down? They just built a new one and left no. that for track and field or whatever. Um, they had uh, they, So they did the announcement uh, for this yesterday? Mm-hmm. Uh, big TV event and all that. They had Kim Kardashian announcing the the locations. It's like, do you guys have any idea who you're trying to reach here? <laughs> do you know who your audience is? Kim, Kim list one player <laughs> from the Premier League. <laughs> list one. Just give me one. Name a, so- a current soccer player, and you cannot say Messi. Uh, just yeah. give me Name one. Name one other. team from La Liga. Name one. 
So, so this go around, you're using Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Jerry's World in Arlington, NRG Stadium in Houston, Arrowhead in Kansas City, SoFi in Los Angeles, Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, MetLife Stadium in New York, Lincoln Financial in Philadelphia. I don't want to be in Miami either. Levi Stadium in San Francisco, and Lumen Field in Seattle. I will say, Borky, the crowd may not be partisan American in Los Angeles. Seattle will be nuts, ridiculous. Yeah, the yeah. crazy atmosphere for that first round game. Yeah, insane. Sports Talk Mississippi. We're back with you right after this. Here comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome again, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. T-Spire text line open for your winners and losers. We got off track a little bit there, 601-879-4395. Um, hold on a second. Let's see here. Winner, uh, Kelso and Ocean Springs Commander's new head coach, Dan Quinn, setting a new record with a 57-minute introductory press conference, for whatever that's worth. I like that, honestly. Winner. Mississippi State women's basketball won three games in the six days last week, two on the road, and the win at home was against the number nine team in the country. There's another one for MSU women's basketball as a winner. Um, I think that's all we've got right now. Did you guys have any other losers that we needed to roll in? Oh, uh, Jeff and Pontotoc. Yes, this is a good one, Jeff. It's about a week old. Um, Borky had this in the notes last week. I saw it as well and nearly threw up. The... United States Olympic men's golf team uniforms. They are made by Jay Lindeberg, which is not an American company for whatever that's worth. But frankly, I don't care if they're made at the North Pole. Just make them look like the United States. Yeah, we're playing golf here. It's really not complicated. You can do a white polo. You can do a red polo. You can do a navy blue polo. That'd be a good start. You want to get fancy and add a stripe or two? Be my guest. But the kaleidoscope of colors on these tight-fitting, super short-sleeve, European-styled shirts are simply disgusting. Just plain gross. So, whoever from the United States Olympic Committee approved these, and Jay Lindeberg yourself, as a company, as a person, if you're an actual person, you are a loser with a capital L. Frankly, it makes me want to cheer for another country in the Olympics in golf. They are that bad. I mean, somebody should go to prison for this. 
Hey, Dan, I'm quite the patriot, too, brother. I know, hey, I know. This is, that this gross. is harsh. Do you know how hard it I is to it. screw up red, white, and blue? Yes, Or the I do. American flag. Just incorporate just red and white stripes, man. Where's Waldo? That's all you need. With a blue USA on your chest. That's all you need to do. Or solids. Or, yeah. I promise you, they could have called up our friends at Genteel. Like, hey, could you do us some golf shirts and pullovers for the Olympics? Yeah. Yeah, buddy, can we? We sure can. I'm pulling up their website right now. I bet they already have an offering that looks better. Like, they don't have to design anything. It's already oh, they don't available. Have to design anything. Solids? Stripes, special prints, all good. Thanks. Thanks for playing. But instead, you get like, I, 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 I mean, I if you even... took the hat off this guy on the picture, who is this guy a model or is he a golfer, by the way? That is not a golfer. Okay. I was being sure. I was like, that does not look like a golfer. I mean, uh, but that if you guy took the looks hat like off... he would step up to the tee box and be like, hey, has anybody got a football bat so I can hit this little white ball? I mean, that, 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 he like, looks that, that the shirt looks more like it should be for Great Britain. It's got like the it's, it's got a little bit of the Union Jack to it. It's like they looks like it should be for Great Vomit. <laughs> I mean, I found one the <laughs> the men's pinstripe performance polo from Gentile. They're, they're, they've got they've got all the colors you need. And that just just take it. They got a red one right there. That just, just just there you go. There's your design. Just put slap a flag on it. You're good to go. I mean, who's going to outfit the American golf team in the Olympics? Hmm. Let's go with Jay Lindeberg, a Swedish clothing company. <laughs> so terrible. That is really terrible. What? And Johan Lindeberg found his way into the American Olympic scene. That that happens in soccer sometimes too. Even uh, USA Hockey had their jerseys get really screwed up. The the ones that the the juniors just won the the gold medal with. That's all they have to do. Blue with USA in diagonal across. That's all you got to do. Looks phenomenal. It's disgusting. It really is. What a shame. What what is happening to a once great country? <sighs> More more on that at Gallo tomorrow at 6, Borky. I'm just talking about our sports teams and the uniforms. I mean, I've got a Mike Ruzioni jersey from the uh, Miracle on Ice, and they're blue and they're white. Just phenomenal. Just so simple. Red, white, and blue. America. That's all you got to be. Well, I blame I'm Oregon not, for this. Yeah, I, I'm not necessarily suggesting that we should play Olympic golf and hockey sweaters either. <laughs> no. But... but. Your uh, your point remains the same. Um, there we go. So winners and losers. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Glad to be with you. Tucker, who is responsible for that assignment? Is, is Tucker talking about why did I work the Auburn No, game? the USA, why they're playing the games there. Oh, okay. okay. The, the host country gets to choose. Sorry, I was not trying to make that about me. I was just trying to. Oh yeah, no. So I don't. I mean, I, I doubt it was Burhalter. Although everything that happens, he's blamed on. But 
I mean, there are days between these games. They're on luxury airplanes. What's the difference between a flight from Seattle back to L.A. and Seattle to Kansas City? What's the difference? Uh, yeah, not much. That's actually a pretty long flight from Los Angeles to Seattle. Yeah. What are we doing here? Oh, here was the winner. Steffi Groff and Andre Agassi, the pickleball slam on ESPN. I didn't watch, but I had somebody text me about that. Did you guys watch? No. No, but just those two names, they must be unstoppable in that sport. I mean, it would be like Jordan going out and playing, you know, three and three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so the flight difference is two hours. Two whole hours for the world's <laughs> most conditioned athletes on a luxury plane. They're fine. Well, maybe it wasn't in the budget for them to fly on a luxury plane. <laughs> maybe they're going to have to fly coach. Commercial. I think just Pulisic alone has the money to pay for it. Yeah, Man, it'll th- be, be all right. That's going to be so much fun. I- I'm glad we get it back in the summer because I- I'll never forget. It was my senior year of college when we had a World Cup that the Americans participated in that happened in the summer. Remember, this most recent one was was a winter one. So we didn't get that 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 summer of there's nothing else going on. Feel the fever of American pride. It was 2014. It was right? 2014, and I remember listening to you on the radio in Omaha. Yes, talking about soccer because that that was going on, and, and that was so. I had actually I was much more familiar with your show before then, but I really started becoming a daily listener of this show, driving around. As I'm graduating college, listening to Mississippi Sports Talk, wasn't called that at the time, but a sports talk show in the state of Mississippi talking international soccer, and it was awesome. I loved it. Yeah, Rhino was sitting in the chair you were sitting in, and he was all about it. Yeah, he was. He you were just so... bouncing stuff off of him. Yeah, and it was it was fun. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'll never forget that. I, we did a couple of shows from Omaha in the College World Series. That was the first time that Ole Miss had been since, whatever, 77 or uh, whatever the year was. For, yeah. Forgive me for, if I'm off on the dates. Um, and Omaha was absolutely taken with the College World Series, but it was equally taken with the World Cup that was going on at the time. And the sports bars were just packed to the gills. So it'll be 12 years since then. Because the winter one, I mean, you guys remember it. I mean, I, I still went and we watched and all that, but it didn't capture the country because of football. Because you what? cannot capture this country if you're competing against football. You can't do it. Wait, the 2018 World Cup, was that not summer? We, the United States wasn't in it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. And last year in Qatar. Yeah, and because it's so hot in the summer there, and their idea of creating clouds above the stadium ended up not working. Imagine yeah, that. They had to move it to the winter. On that technology is going. Didn't get here fast enough. I mean, hey, Dad's sure. convinced stopped that, at that point. Hey, Dad is convinced that FIFA is a virtuous organization, and yet they somehow were sold on the idea that they could manufacture clouds for shade and rain during a 130-degree <laughs> outside World Cup. Ah! Oh, wait. Technology's not going to be quite ready in time. Let's just play it in December. When do you think it'll be ready? I don't know. You're 3,000, something like that. We're working on it. Oh, man. 
When we get PGA Tour golf and Saudi Arabia here soon, they'll uh, they'll make sure that they put clouds over it. Uh, that would be a loser, by the way. We were robbed of the final round of the Pebble Beach Pro-Am this week because of unplayable conditions. <laughs> like 45-mile-an-hour wins. Should have made them play. If they had played the 99-yard hole par 3 7th at Pebble Beach, they would have been hitting knock-down five irons into the green <laughs> yesterday. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here's more Super Talk Mississippi. Find yourself in a uh, in a rabbit hole during a break. It randomly pops up based on some conversation that we just had. Something that sparked in your head. We were talking about uh, the the future. Hey, Dad was was saying by the year three thousand they'd be able to make clouds that produce shade so that you could play the World Cup in the summer in Qatar. Which got yeah. me on the thinking of like, oh, it's like the Jetsons. And then I remembered that we're only a couple of years removed from them mm-hmm. saying that George Jetson was only born in 2022. May not work out how we think, but it sent me down a rabbit hole. Wikipedia rabbit hole of the Jetsons and then the Flintstones. Wilma! Uh, Go for did a you watch, Flintstone-sized steak right now. Did good. you watch both of those cartoons as a kid? I did. I did. Which did you? I thought, I thought we'd be where the Jetsons kind of are, and we aren't. We aren't anywhere close to it. Are you disappointed? A little, a little. Uh, life might be a little bit easier because of the flying cars, the robot servants, or uh, or what? The robot servants would be great. I mean, I don't know that I could afford one. You'd have two, maybe three, maybe three. Yeah. I had forgotten that uh, George's work day was it was it was three hours three days a week, and it was a strenuous work day where he he had to push a button as many as five times in three hours. That was his job. That's kind of like uh, that's kind of Borky's job. It's five days a week, but he only has to push a button for three hours. So Borky, we have a we have a a text here from a friend of mine wants to know odds that you've ever seen one single episode of the Jetsons. Well. If he's asking what the odds are, you guys have to set the odds, and then I'll answer. Oh, I would say the odds are about 500 to 1. Richard? He's playing. A, he's seen one. I, I'm not answering one way or the other. Uh, so do you, we, you, No, I will not well, take let's do like over under. The over-under is .5. That he has seen one episode of... They see one, at least one episode. You I'll go take over the under. over. I'll take the over. You would be wrong. Under, I couldn't tell you a character's yeah, name. One. I, I, I have no. I know nothing about it. What's funny is you look like a grown-up version of Elroy. <laughs> okay, look at him. Here you go. Google Elroy Jetson Meet and George tell me Jetson. you couldn't. That kind of looks like my His kid. boy, Elroy. That's why he looks oh, wait, like no, James. No, 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 no. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Meet George Jetson. Jane, his daughter, wife. Daughter, Judy. 
His boy Elroy, Jane, Jane, his wife, his wife do, 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 yeah. Do, 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 yeah, yeah. Growing James's hair back out again. His mom and I loved the long hair, and we regret cutting it. And so we're letting it grow back out. But right now, it's in that in between time where he looks like a hobo, yeah. and that's what his haircut looks like right you, now. If you keep him there till till October, you can, he could go as Elroy Jetson. Dwayne suggests he could also go as Bam Bam. I think you might should uh, same thing on the, I know the Bam Flintstones. Bam. I, I know the Flintstones. Let's say Bam. okay. Let's say the same odds. Bam. Yeah. Uh, Dwayne Borky suggests that you should let James watch some Jetsons episodes. Oh, I already I, I've fallen into a trap of I'm depending on the TV too much already. So I need to I need to start reading and to him again. again. James would watch that and then he would find out what year it's supposed to be. He's like, nah, not close. <laughs> Hmm. Jeff says Pebble Beach would have been fun to watch in the wind yesterday. That the car wrecks would have been great. Oh, it would have been amazing. I can't. I don't want to see guys shoot thirty under. I want to see them hate that. Sometimes birdies are good. Sometimes low scoring is good. But if you're telling me that I could have gotten forty mile an hour winds with the waves crashing into the rocks alongside the holes, getting them wet, I want to see that sometimes. I want to see these millionaires be miserable for five and a half hours because it would take them that long to get around the course. I want quads, man. I want snowmans. Give me a 10 somewhere. And then we come off, we have to listen to the quotes of, oh, this isn't really a test of golf. And hey, Shut up, man. Deal it's, with it, uh, brother. Just deal with the conditions. <laughs> You'll be the best on just that day. Just, 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 you know. 2062 is when the Jetsons... Was set. There's no way we have flying cars in the next, four, what, 38 years? Oh, I think it's a myth to say no that. No way. We don't know specifically when it was set. Like it was never, I mean, according to this, it, it's set. Like, George Jetson was born July 31st, 2022. But that was based on circumstantial evidence. That was never actually proved okay. based on the, the show. Based Okay. On, uh, I don't think. Okay. Okay. Anyway, uh, college football fix. That's how we will start things off in the 5 o'clock hour with you as we roll toward the final hour of the show. And guess what happens? If you look outside right now as we roll toward the final hour of the show, you still got sunshine, daylight. It's getting better and better and better every day. It gets about a minute better in terms of the light that we have left in the day. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. We'll take a quick timeout. College football fix to start things off when we come back in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Let the broadcasting of the disturbed continue. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studio on this Monday afternoon, day one of a new work week. We're glad to be with you. We're actually going to push the college football fix back just uh, a segment, and we are going to talk with uh, a friend of the program, Dr. Reeves Moore, who is a sports medicine specialist, orthopedic surgeon, 
with Specialty Orthopedic Group. They've got locations in a bunch of places in North Mississippi, including Oxford and Tupelo and Starkville. And I'll set our conversation up like this. If you are a college baseball fan, there are two words that you hate more than any other words these days. And those two words are Tommy John. It happened again this weekend. We found out that Ole Miss projected starting pitcher Xavier Rivas is going to miss this season with an elbow injury, a UCL tear, Tommy John surgery, and rehab on the way. This is not new. It, it's become, it feels like it's become when, not if, with a lot of pitchers. Ole Miss has had their share of pitching injuries. Mississippi State has had them. Southern Miss has had them, though I don't think they've been quite as prominent. College baseball programs all over the country are dealing with this. Uh, so we welcome on the Farm Bureau guest line Dr. Reeves Moore, who uh, specializes in UCL repair. Um, Dr. Moore, thank you for uh, a few minutes of your time this afternoon. Am I crazy? I, I know we've talked about this a little bit. It feels like UCL injuries resulting in Tommy John surgery are becoming more and more frequent. Are they actually becoming more frequent, or are we just talking about them more? I think they are. They're probably both, Richard. I think they're becoming more frequent, and we're certainly talking about them more due to them being more frequent, but also there's just some more... Uh, media attention that gets drawn to them, and so therefore it's in front of us more often. So I just add a little bit of both, really. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know that there's a simple answer to this question, but why is this such a frequent injury? It's primarily in pitchers, though occasionally you'll have position players that will deal with it. Occasionally you'll have uh, other sports. But primarily this is a baseball injury that, that pitchers are dealing with what is the root cause? Why are we having so many elbow injuries? I think it's really multifactorial. I don't think you can put your finger on one specific thing and shoot a magic bullet at it and solve all the UCL issues that we face today in our, in our throwing athletes. I think it really kind of boils down to three different things in some form or fashion. And it's usually a combination of those. And, and we kind of separate them out as one is sports, what we term as sports specialization, okay. where kids at a young age are basically playing baseball all year round. They're not really taking any time off. And they're, I mean, I, I've talked to people in the office daily where even kids as young as eight, nine, ten years old, or even sub-specializing as a pitcher at that age where they don't hit, they don't play in the field, and all they are doing is pitching starting at a very young age. I think that is a recipe for injury in the future, and that's kind of the overuse aspect of this. I think secondly is a lot of these kids don't have access to premier instruction, and a lot of them have bad mechanics, and over time, that catches up to, to people. And I think that's a part of it. And then thirdly, I think, is that there's not a lot of education out there in terms of proper arm care, 
how to take care of your arm, how to recover, how to give it appropriate rest, how to strengthen the muscles that are involved in the throwing cycle to the point that it can be protective of UCL injuries. So I think it's a, a multifactorial thing that you just can't pinpoint one, and uh, it's usually one or if not all three of those combined leading to these injuries. All right, so if if we let kids play multiple sports, sports we stop throwing 12-year-old curveballs and we uh, we rest a little bit, does that mean UCL injuries go away? I don't think you're going to completely wipe them out. <laughs> okay. I, I, I wish I wish that would be the case. I, I think they've been going on, you know, for a long time, and, and I think they're more common than they used to be, at least from our the, the lens that we see baseball injuries these days, particularly UCL injuries. But, you know, back in the olden days, back in the 70s and 80s, before we really kind of understood UCL injuries, People would either just continue to play hurt, and we just didn't really have a great answer for it, or it was a season or a, a career-ending issue where they just couldn't throw anymore, and they just hung the spikes up. Reed, let me ask so, you this. Yeah. Is, is there a scenario, or, and maybe not even a scenario, is there a finite number of bullets in the gun? And, and I don't know if that's the exact correct analogy, and I know the answer is not the same for everybody. But if if little Johnny starts pitching when he's eight years old and he's fortunate to pitch in high school and college, is the fact that, like, as his elbow is constructed by God, he has so many pitches in that arm. And then once those are gone, there's going to have to be some reconstruction. Is that a crazy theory? I don't think it's crazy. I think, I think there's some truth to that. I, I don't know how you study that and and publish that in terms of uh, a validated research study. No, no medical journals are publishing that. Yeah, theory. I, I, don't, I don't think that's out there, and we certainly hadn't studied. I hadn't seen any studies on it, but I do think there's some truth to that. Everybody's genetic makeup is different. Everybody's the stress level that a person can take for this particular issue varies from person to person. Um, there are some adaptive changes that occur with the shoulder and the arm as you know, that, that, that happens as kids develop that you have to have in order to be an elite thrower. And you've got to be able to find the, kind of the balance between that. But yeah. over time, these kids are starting younger and younger. And I think that's one reason we're starting to see these injuries earlier and earlier. And the most common age group that we see these tears in are the 15 to 19 year old range. That's been well documented in some studies we have out. And that correlates to your high school kids. Visiting with Dr. Reesmore, he is an orthopedic surgeon uh, and focuses on UCL reconstruction, studied under Dr. James Andrews at the Andrews Sports Medicine Institute, uh, among other places, Campbell Clinic and, and others. Uh, we've only got a couple of minutes left. So, uh, two part. One, is it less of a big deal? Like, like it's easy to say that. Okay, guy blows out his elbow. And go, ah, it's not a big deal. He'll come back better than he was because we've seen that over and over. Is this a less concerning injury than it once was because of the prognosis on the backside? That's part one of the question, and part two. 
What what about the comeback time? Has it shortened at all? Is this still a 12- to 18-month recovery time, or are there ways to do it faster? That's a good question. So there, there are major league teams, if you look at the first-round draft picks last several years, you look at the pitchers specifically, a fair amount of those, and I don't have the percentage in front of me, but a fair amount of them have already had Tommy John surgery, whether that's a repair or reconstruction or a hybrid, which we can touch on in a minute. And so I, I think it appears that Major League Baseball teams and even college teams that have had, you know, have pitchers that have scholarship offers in high school that have already had the surgery, they are not scared of a kid that has already had the surgery. And to your point, a lot of them come back and throw harder, and they feel better. Sometimes that can take eight or nine months. Sometimes that takes 12 to 18 months, depending on what their injury or what their surgery was. Okay. And so the first answer to your first question is, I think with it being more and more common and we're getting better techniques of how to treat it, I think there's less apprehension by the college and the pro teams to continue to sign these players that have already had it because of the techniques that have been developed in the last 15, 20, 25 years to be able to get them back to playing college and pro ball. All right, so, so hey, a 30-second yeah. answer on hybrid repair. I, I've heard a little bit about that, and I know it's not enough time, but we're up against a hard break. So in 30 seconds, give us the, the Reader's Digest version of the hybrid repair. Yeah, so there's basically three kinds of surgeries for UCL uh, injuries right now. One being the gold standard classic UCL reconstruction where you take a tendon graft and you make a new ligament. And then the two newer techniques, which is a UCL repair, which you can really only do for certain types of tears and add an internal brace, which is a collagen-coated fiber tape or heavy suture. That rehab timeline is usually about six months. Gold standard classic UCL reconstruction is about 12 to 18 months. Hybrid reconstruction is a hybrid of that. You're using the tendon graft, but you're also adding this collagen-coated fiber tape and also repairing the ligament. And that rehab timeline can vary anywhere between 8 to 12 months, depending on how they recover and progress through a throwing progression program. It's big. Brace yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Uh, appreciate the time from Dr. Reeves Moore, who's a sports medicine specialist at Specialty Orthopedic Group, and uh, part of that is working on UCLs and uh, doing Tommy John surgery. He sees a lot of these, and he's seeing them. He and I talked some about this. Um, they're happening more and more at the the high school age. You, you heard him say that the the largest patient group. Uh, is between ages 15 and 19. That's the largest growth area in terms of these surgeries that are happening. And so that's ninth graders through freshmen in college. If you're talking 15 through 19, that's your that's your 
school age window that goes along with those ages. Um, and I feel like sometimes when we talk about UCLs and Tommy John surgery and pitching injuries, people immediately pile on travel baseball and travel baseball coaches, and that's not the intent. There's so much good that goes along with travel baseball when it's done right. Coaches that care about kids, rules that are in place to protect arms. But the fact of the matter is, and we talk about it all the time with the events that are happening at M-Trade Park, and they're great events. They start this weekend, the second weekend of February. And then they'll go March, April, May, June. Usually July and August are basically dead. And then they'll play tournaments in September and October and sometimes into early November. And the rest component isn't there. Now, and, and you've got, sometimes we paint with a broad brush when we talk about travel ball. But travel ball kind of spans the spectrum, too. Now you've got teams that are just kind of in it to have fun and play some tournaments, and they'll play half a dozen tournaments that have got three or four or five games each across March, April, May, June. And then they'll shut it down, and they'll play a couple of tournaments in the fall. But then you've also got travel ball tournaments where you have 12-year-olds that are playing between 70 and 100 games in a summer. And regardless of how good your arm care program is, going back to the analogy that I used with what we were talking about a second ago, if there's a finite number of bullets in the gun, you're shooting a lot of those bullets at a young age. While muscles are still developing, while mechanics are still developing, while... Man, grown adult men, minor leaguers, play 138 games in a summer. Yeah. And it's not the same level of stress, and the games aren't as long, and you know, hopefully you got a lot of kids that are involved yeah. in pitching. And I, I, I just don't ever want to paint the idea that competitive baseball at a young age or travel baseball at a young age is bad. In every aspect of life, every industry, every occupation, churches, camps, jobs, industries, you have bad actors in every walk of life. And so that means you are going to have coaches out there that don't necessarily care about the health of the arms of their kids. They're trying to win tournaments, by golly. we got to get rings and we got to get medals. And we got to get trophies. But the overwhelming, overwhelming majority of coaches are dads or people that are hired by dads to do right by these kids, to teach them the game, to teach them the game the right way, to learn how to be competitive, to develop skills. And look, the I mean, we're seeing more and more and more freshmen come into college baseball who are ready to play. And they're ready to play because of how much they've been playing for the last six to ten years of their life. That's why they're ready. But if all they do is baseball between the age of six and 18, then there is going to be arm fatigue at every position, not just a pitcher. Yeah. And and good grief, this sounds like old man here. And I was, I was never even close to an elite-level baseball player, not even close. 
my baseball career like maxed out at the All-Star team a couple of years. But I played baseball during baseball season, and that was like April, May, June, July. And I played football during football season, starting in seventh grade, going through when I graduated high school. I played church league basketball. I played golf. It wasn't like I just did one thing. Now, maybe if I had just done one thing, I would have been better or good enough to do something significant at just one thing. I I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. The point is, we played everything. And now, you have some parents who recognize that their kids need to do more than just play one sport. But you got a lot of parents who are like, my kid's a baseball kid. My daughter's a softball girl. My kid's a tumbler. My kid is a soccer player. My kid is a basketball player. And that's all they focus on. And it's harder to make varsity teams than it's ever been because you've got so many elite kids in each sport. It's almost like you have to decide what are you going to try to be good at, and then you've got a few kids that are elite at just whatever they touch. But it's a complicated issue. But, man, the... The, the stress that's on a lot of these arms, even when they are being taken care of and carefully monitored at a young age, it leads to what we're seeing. And, and the whole impetus for this conversation was Ole Miss had an inter-squad game on Friday night, and Xavier Rivas blew out his UCL. He was expected to be part of the rotation this weekend or this year for Ole Miss, and he's now on the shelf for the season. And Ole Miss has had a couple of guys at Josh Mallett's after the national championship season had to have surgery. He's back with Ole Miss this year. Certainly hope a lot for him. Hey, Ed, we've, we've seen it with one of the best arms that Mississippi State has ever had in its baseball program just a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. JT Ginn, yeah. And oh, with, J- with JT Ginn, but also with uh, uh, closer turn starter. Um, oh, with Landon. With Landon, with Landon Sims, Sims. I, that's the that's the thing right there that you said you just gave me like a, a great arm, and I I had a couple. There's a couple I could have gone to, right? Well, and I thought you were just going to bail me out because I could not like I couldn't get Landon Sims' name said, out of my mouth. It's one of the most elite arms Ethan, we've seen in college baseball in the last decade, and had to shut it down. Yeah, I could have said Ethan Small. He you had he had Tommy John. I mean. It's just it just goes on. This year, State has Stone Simmons and Brooks Auger back. They both got injured in the twenty twenty two season. So they, you know, you asked them how long the rehab is for those two guys. It was a long road back, and they they expect to be fully healthy and and be able to participate this year. But you know, like you said, it's it's different for every 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 pitcher. So and State does have a guy line. out this year. Uh, okay, go ahead. Shout out to Church League basketball. <laughs> Heck yeah. Um, Man, church league basketball. Churches would recruit guys that didn't go to their church to play on their, their basketball team. Oh, that was the church league basketball got heated, man. No doubt. No doubt. It was a big, big deal when I was growing up here. Big deal. Trey in Saltillo says, I bet the majority of college coaches would prefer multi-sport athletes. My son plays soccer and baseball. I have seen Most and coaches heard. tell you that. Yep. They, 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 they're willing to say that, like, let your kids play multiple sports. And I've heard, I forget what coach it was, talk about how he feared of players peaking, where if you've got this this great high school prospect that has had specialty coaches and trainers and all that stuff to get to where they are now, their thought is, how much better can you actually be? Have you already peaked as a senior in high school? 
where they look at this other kid who is not as good but comparable, and he's incredibly raw. He's got basketball. He's on the football team. He plays wide receiver, and he's been playing basketball, and he's he's got all this other stuff going on, and it's like, hey, you're just now unlocking his potential. That's something that they think about now. I'm not laughing at you. Gary Darby's on the other end of the building right now, and he just said, you know, maybe your baseball career would have been better if you'd had a better all-star coach. <laughs> he, he, was, he was our all-star baseball coach when I was 15. That's, that guy. That's great. That is fantastic. Um, somebody said it's not just arm fatigue, it's mental fatigue. That's true. Um, Absolutely. I mean, you, get kids, you get kids that are burned out. I- I always think about that episode of South Park where the kids are in the Little League World Series and they're just like, they would rather be literally anywhere else but playing baseball. It, you got I me. Mean, and both teams are trying to lose. About like, and so the winner yeah, just they're trying to lose on purpose. Yeah. But like, you get a kid who's like 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, that you can't, you can't convince them to, to grind it out for six, seven months at a time. I mean, they're kids. You need so, some time on the lake. Yeah. You need some time camping. You need some time just playing wiffle ball. Doing in the anything. Yeah. Ch- Chad and Fulton says, I wonder if anyone's ever done a study on Nolan Ryan. He must have done something right. You know what, Chad? I think there are some just freaks of nature out there. There are some people yes. that are just anatomically different than everybody else. And I think Nolan Ryan falls into that category. Did Randy Johnson ever have a Cy Young? Uh, Cy Young. Uh, a Tommy John? I don't remember him. I don't, I don't remember him being out. Issue. But again, yeah. hey, look at him. Just a Genetic freak, freak of nature. Yeah. He's 6'11". Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. We're back with you right after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio. From the SeabrookPaint.com Weather Center, I'm Bob Sullender. For all your paint coating needs, go to SeabrookPaint.com. Today, mostly sunny, high near 61. Tonight, mostly clear, low around 36. Your Tuesday, sunny skies, high near 62. Tuesday evening, mostly clear, low around 36. And for your Wednesday, mostly sunny conditions, high near 67. This weather brought to you by our friends at Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile in downtown Bolton. Shop local. Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile, your building supply experts since 1871. This is Jerry Lake, and I want to thank everyone, especially the 2,000-plus customers who made purchases at my retirement liquidation sale at Carter Jewelers. A large selection of fine diamond and gold jewelry remain unsold, especially engagement rings, diamond bands, earrings, and pendants. Loose diamonds are being set up. Unpaid layaways and repairs are being processed to sell. It's to your advantage and mine for this jewelry to be sold over the counter, even at 50 to 90% off versus selling to industry liquidators or the new owners. If you can buy jewelry anywhere near industry liquidation prices, it's a big win for you. And almost everything is below jewelry's replacement cost. And with this selection and these deals makes this the best fine jewelry sale I've ever been associated with. I'm Jerry Lake thanking everyone for a lot of great years at Carter Jewelers. Located downtown Jackson, two blocks from the Capitol on High Street and the Pemberton Plaza in Vicksburg. Hi. I'm Thomas Trammell, owner of Family Termite and Environment. We're a family-owned and operated business, and we care about our customers and treat them like family. In Mississippi, we have all four seasons and every weather condition, sometimes all on the same day. Environmental changes attract different types of household pests to our homes. No matter what type of pest you're dealing with, Family Termite is here to answer your questions and help find a solution. Call us for all your pest and termite control needs. That's Family Termite at 601-933-1014. 
TrustCare is a proud sponsor of Ole Miss Athletics. When you choose TrustCare for your urgent and primary care, you win. TrustCare clinics are staffed by friendly, experienced providers and open late. Walk in today or schedule your appointment at TrustCareHealth.com. TrustCare. Feel better, faster. This hour of Sports Talk is brought to you by Southern Pipe and Supply in Jackson. At Southern Pipe and Supply, we serve professionals and homeowners across the southeast with the very best in brand name plumbing, HVAC, waterworks, industrial and electrical supplies. Visit Southern Pipe and Supply. Rogers Dab Chevrolet is Mississippi's largest General Motors business elite dealer. We make it easy to maintain your fleet with over 100 work-ready vehicles available for your job site. Diesel, gas, trucks, vans, and service bodies. And we build to your business specifications. It really is easier with Rogers Dab's fleet. Call the Rogers Dab's business elite fleet team today at 866-671-4226 or visit us online at rogersdabs.com. Rogers Dab Chevrolet. Find new roads. I'm J.T. Mitchell, and you're listening to Super Talk, Mississippi News. State Auditor Shad White has announced that he's countersuing embattled NFL Hall of Famer Brett Farr following a defamation suit the quarterback brought against White last February. The former Southern Miss star and Green Bay Packer originally filed his suit after the auditor made statements claiming Farr knew of his alleged role in the welfare scandal. White's now demanding Favre pay interest on the $1.1 million he's already paid back to the state. And one person has been taken into custody after a body was found this afternoon at a home in Madison County. Deputies responded to the residence on Haley Creek Drive in the 100th block to conduct a welfare check. When they got there, they discovered the person's body. At this time, no further details have been released. The Dixie National is near, so it's time to get in gear and rope up a deal with the mighty 3E John Deere Compact Tractor from Ag Up Equipment. This tough tractor is efficient, economical, and easy to use. And with 0% for 60 months plus $750 off, Ag Up Equipment is making it even easier to own. Gear up for spring with savings at Ag Up Equipment. In store or online at agup.com. Offer ends 229.24. Some exclusions apply. See dealer for details. Jerry, was that a bird? Nope. Just folks banging on the C Spire store window. I bet they heard we have iPhone 15 Pro. Look, more people and my grandma. Your grandma's fierce. Get the gift you really wanted. iPhone 15 Pro at C Spire. Made with titanium and featuring the most advanced iPhone camera system yet. Get it on us with trade-in. C Spire. Customer inspired. Requires purchase 36 months device payment plan and new line activation on eligible wireless service plan. CCSpire.com for detail. Mississippi, the place you call home, is a state like no other. From the music to the food and the people, the Magnolia State has so many good things to celebrate. And now you can, each weekday afternoon from 2 to 3, on Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour, bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and all the good things to do. Life doesn't always have to be serious, so let's have fun. Good Things with Rebecca Turner, weekdays from 2 to 3 on Super Talk Mississippi. Come on, Super Talk Mississippi. Check this out. Are you ready? Sports Talk Mississippi. A little late 
later than normal, but let's uh, jump into a little college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. It's a good day to be in the fundraising office at the University of Missouri, M-I-Z-Z-O-U. An anonymous, anonymous, $62 million donation to Mizzou Athletics. $50 million of that will go toward the North End Zone expansion at uh, Mizzou Stadium, their uh, Faroe Field, Mizzou Stadium. So the the area where they've got the rocks and the blockium, they're going to do like a like a multi purpose structure, some premium seating there, and then like mixed use development on the outside. Kind of faces a, a main thoroughfare there in uh, in Columbia. So doing an end zone expansion on that end. Remember they did the south end zone a, a few years ago. Be interested to see if they're going to leave the uh, the rock M in the end zone. It's a big deal to Mizzou people. Will they leave the hill there in the rock M? I was talking to somebody yeah. earlier today that um, from Columbia, some Mizzou ties, and they're like, "I really hope they don't get rid of that. Like that's a big deal to local people and the folks that don't shell out the big bucks for premium seating." And I'm like, "Yeah, I hear you." But it's kind of corny looking to the outside people, and um, you could sell some high-dollar seats there also that generate more yeah. revenue than the, the rocks do. I mean, you can you could figure out a way to, you know, still have the rock M. You just, maybe you can't see it, but, yeah. you know, it's still there. But the you real story it. is is the other $12 million. Is where the, the $12 million you didn't mention is going. Yeah. Yeah. So the other twelve million is going to Mizzou's collective. Twelve million dollars. So you tell me if you think the University of Missouri is bought in on the Ooh. NIL collective space. You know, over the weekend, you, you, most of you out there probably didn't pay attention to this because uh, why would you? But I did because I'm a glutton for punishment. But the NCAA in the state of Tennessee are going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, trading blows and legal posturing because they're going to meet in court. And the NCAA had the audacity to argue this weekend. Although we are three years into the NIL era, by the way. But they had the audacity to argue this weekend that if Tennessee wins this suit, then athletes will start picking schools because they got paid to go to certain schools. We'll not, not only did they argue that, they also argued that that would ruin competitive balance. We are three years into the pay-for-play era, the salary era, and we've never been more balanced. The the just the audacity to argue. Well, let, me, let me let me apply some actual quotes to this. This is from the attorney general in the state of Tennessee. Uh, I believe Scrametti is his name. Uh, is that right? Uh, Jonathan Scrametti, Attorney General in Tennessee. The NCAA waits until page 16 of its filing, two-thirds of the way into its brief, before it defends the NIL recruiting ban on the merits. And even then, the NCAA defends a world that doesn't exist. 
It says it must prohibit NIL compensation to protect amateurism, competition, and athletes. He goes on to say, and it's not the plaintiff's fault, talking about the people that filed the suit, that the NCAA has decided to regulate NIL and recruitment through a Byzantine set of overlapping rules of guidance. To the extent there's confusion, the NCAA thinks give its power to enforce the NIL recruiting ban, that problem is one of the NCAA's own creation. There is no reason to offend this process, invite chaos on a moment's notice, and transform college sports into an environment where players and schools match up based primarily on the dollars that can change hands. That's what the NCAA wrote. (laughs) I'm going to make you think here, Richard. In your time doing this this show, for how I don't know how long you've been on the air doing this show, have you ever said the word Byzantine before today? First time. Love it. There it is. But shout out to Constantinople. But but that being the that being their position is, is so funny because you had you had people in our business do the it was essentially fear mongering is what it was the all oh, the. All the good players are going to go to the same schools as if that wasn't happening before. But your good friends at Sports Talk Mississippi spent a long time telling you, if anything, it'll make the playing field more level. It certainly won't change much because the top is as separated from everybody else as it possibly could be. Three years later, and the, the players are spread more evenly than they ever have been. It, it, it's like they're looking up and pointing at the sky and saying, that's red. And expecting you to believe it. I, yeah. Yeah. Missouri is more financially capable at the moment than Alabama. Say that out loud and make it make sense. In 324, after Western and Eastern Roman Empires were reunited, the ancient city of Byzantium was selected to serve as the new capital of the Roman Empire, and the city was renamed Nova Roma, or New Rome, by Emperor Constantine the Great. On 11 yes, on 11 May 330, it was renamed Constantinople and dedicated to Constantine. There you Constantine go. to Constantinople. So, Constantinople. So... <laughs> So this yesterday, yesterday Alabama picked up a commitment from a, a kid, three-star linebacker, whose only Power Five offer was from Alabama. His second-best offer, I think, was Liberty. I mean, it's a different day at Alabama right now. Jamie Chad, can you imagine? Oh, I mean, can you imagine twelve months this... ago? Did you see the bogus reporting this week that um, this weekend that Alabama was being accused of tampering with uh, yeah oh Fatita yeah well so, some ridiculous one of those fake aggregator uh, uh, college football Twitter accounts took hold of Antonio Morales' story misquoted him and took it from there. It was the uh, the big something blog uh, blue blood bias. Uh, it, it started with another one too. As a general principle, because I had somebody send that article to me and was like, oh, dude, Alabama's in trouble. And I said, number one, no, they're not. Number two, if you are sharing something or if you see something about college football, whatever it is, and there's not a face on it, automatically be skeptical. If it's college football home, 
blue blood bias, big game, whoever it is. Big game boomer? If there's not a face on it, if there's not a real human's name and a face on it, immediately be skeptical of what it is. Right away. Immediately. How much money do you have to have to anonymously donate $62 million to any entity? Makes you wonder what you do to get your money. Trying to yeah. trying to stay on the DL like that. Uh, uh, you know, State took a hundred, got a hundred million dollar donation last year, and uh, everybody knows who it was. So I don't know. I'm gonna be honest. I know this is blasphemy because I know other people would be like, "Yeah, if I had that much money, I'd buy a national championship." I hear you. If I really had that much money to where I could just give sixty million dollars away, it's not going to college football players. It's just that's not happening. There are a lot of noble charitable efforts that would get my money I mean, long before I would give $12 million cash to college football players. If I've got that much money, I can do both. You know, Mississippi State football, when it's good, brings me joy. Yeah, I'll I hear be happy you. to donate to do that. I can, I well, can I mean, give money to St. Jude's and money to the Bulldog Initiative, and I can feel good about everything. I mean, think about it this way. Maybe you don't want to go to the headache of being an owner of a professional sports franchise, although that is an investment. It's a big investment. Maybe you don't want to spend 4 or $5 billion buying a professional sports team, but you have multiple billion dollars of net worth, and you know you can throw a few million at your favorite college team and get the same joy that you would have gotten out of seeing your favorite baseball team win a World World Series championship. Maybe. Uh, I hear that. Uh, I I would be the the stubborn guy, though. No, because uh, the the schools can pay them that. I would be stubborn in principle. Borky doesn't want to win is what I'm hearing. What I'm hearing from Michael Borky is, ah, winning's not that important to me. (laughs) That's what I'm hearing. Mm. Uh um, how about this? I think the Charlie talent Winfield is just a lottery more... win away for me. Yeah. So. Uh, I think the talent is spreading more evenly between the top twenty-five to thirty programs. My fear is that the ones below that get left in the dust as their best players transfer out every year because of money. I think there's a lot of truth in that text message. It certainly is on, on both sides of it. Mm-hmm. On both sides of it, if you are in that top twenty-five range. You're a couple of good recruiting cycles from being in the playoff race. And if you're outside of that range, it's going to be really, really difficult. Sports Talk Mississippi, we're back with you to wrap it up after this. From the Venable Call. Are we going to do this? Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. Super Talk Mississippi. Eyes are cold and restless. You're in the market for a new or used vehicle. Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota on Highway 6 West in Oxford is the place for you. Great selection of both new and used vehicles on the lot right now. And that includes the Ford F-150, the best-selling truck in America for 47 straight years. 
Got a great selection of trim levels, the best financing you can find, and great people uh, in the sales department there that will work to get you in the car or the truck or the SUV that you're looking for. Maybe you're not a Ford person. Maybe you're a Toyota person. Plenty on the lot right now. They've got Tundras. They've got Forerunners. They've got uh, the Highlander. They've got the Camrys. Whatever it is that you're looking for, they've got you covered at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota, Highway 6 West in Oxford. You can start your search online at BelkFord.net or OxfordToyota.com. But don't stop there. Visit with them in person. Let them show you what's available and help you get into the vehicle that you are looking for. That's at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota, Highway 6 West in Oxford. Tell about, uh, please, uh, well, try that last part one more time. Tell them when you get there that you heard about them. Where, hey, Dad? On Sports Talk Mississippi. Of course, on Sports Talk Mississippi. Please and thank you. Um, Got some hoops tonight, if that's your thing. We are in Super Bowl week. Super Bowl yeah. 58 coming up. By the way, Kansas at Kansas State tonight. You will just want to watch a game with a good atmosphere. That'll be it. Uh, be it'll be rocking in Manhattan, Kansas. Um, Miami and Virginia Tech, if you're interested in the ACC. The ACC has been a bit of a disaster this year. Um, How did that happen? Mm, that's a good question. It's a really good question. Duke stinks. Yeah, Duke's not great. Yeah, They're top ten in the country. For Duke. Yeah, but they're just... Eh, they're just an eh team. So, uh, did you see how North Carolina celebrated that win, by the way? They mobbed the streets. I don't know what it's called in Chapel Hill. Let's just call it the square. They celebrated like they had just won the national championship by the thousands, like converged on the center of their. The district, whatever you want to call it. I thought that was kind of lame. They're celebrating like they just won the national championship. You won a regular season game. And it's not football where there's only 12 of them, you know? Yeah. I thought that was a little much. There's some that say it's the greatest rivalry in all sports. It's not, but they say that. Yeah, there's some that do. Uh, North Carolina, 18-4, third-ranked team in the country. Duke falls to number nine after uh, a couple of losses. Also, oh, South Carolina not Duke being ranked until Arkansas. How good, how good can they be? It's a good point. SEC teams in the top if, 25. If, Tennessee at six. Yeah. Auburn at 12. South Carolina up to 15. Alabama 16. Kentucky 17. They dropped seven spots this week. Those are your SEC teams in the top 25. See, right there. Franklin Street, not Fulton Street. Franklin Street. Sure. Thank you. But And I was told by a uh, friend that is a North Carolina grad, former student athlete there, that uh, it happens after every Duke-Carolina win. Well, then that makes it better. Like Clemson storming the field after home wins. If that's what you do every time, cool. They party like rock star stars in Chapel Hill on Franklin after yeah. they beat Duke. Although, I don't in think... Anything. Clemson's going to be doing much uh, field storming this year. Nah. nah, we'll see. They'll get eight. They'll get eight. Oh, oh! Did you see that the um, the way too early projections for the college football playoff came out out from uh, some of the um, college basket or the uh, I made some of those a few weeks ago. They're totally useless now. 
Oh, the ones that you made? Yeah. Yeah. Had Alabama in there, you know, then, then Nick Saban retired. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll take a look at those tomorrow on the show. Uh, if you are an Ole Miss fan, there is a reason for optimism. If you're Lane Kiffin, there is a reason to tweet a rat poison graphic, which he did. Of course. Very quickly. As he should. Very quickly. But that's, look, there were six different college football writers that projected college football playoff teams, like 1 through 12. And Mm -hmm. all six of them had Ole Miss in the playoff next year. If they had called me, they would have had seven. Yeah, I agree. Now, you're doing it for a different reason. No, I'm absolutely not doing it for a different reason. I, f- I firmly believe that that Ole Miss team is talented enough to be one of the top 12 teams in the country next year. There's no reverse jinx. I mean, if it works out that way, you wouldn't be mad in the long run, but... Maybe? Maybe? <laughs> what do you think? Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Enjoy your Monday night. We'll do it again tomorrow just after 3 o'clock. Good night. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.